BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome one and all, be you host, guest, or tiger to a special bonus split screen episode dedicated to the season two premiere of Westworld. Before we start, this is just about the premiere called Journey Into Night. So we won't be talking about the next time on previews, which Jason and I both didn't watch, nor any fan theories or leaked spoilers or anything like that. I am joined as ever by Kotaku News Editor Jason Schreier. Jason, quick thoughts, quick take. What did you make of the premiere of Westworld season two? Um, I don't really know. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it felt like it felt like nothing happened and everything happened simultaneously. And I can't really I, I just don't know if I liked it or I didn't like it. I, I watched it. it. It's hard to tell until the entire thing uh, wraps because I just don't feel yeah. like I have any sense of what it is. <laughs> so I, I kind of feel similarly. I didn't love it, actually. There were just some things that I didn't like. Like, there were there were things I did like, but there, I, I definitely have some doubts about this season, even mm-hmm. while I thought it was sort of fun and it seems a little like the show is taking itself less seriously, which is nice. There were some things I didn't like, which we can get into. Um, it I, wasn't but, you know, as gripping re- as the season one premiere, which right, I thought so, was immediately appealing. So, right. So, getting ready for this, I rewatched the first and last episodes of season one. One thing that kind of struck me, this is just a broad thought, is how many details about the show, even as someone who paid pretty close attention to what happened, were very, were gone from my brain. Mm -hmm. When I rewatched the finale, I remember there were things like the fact that the photograph was a photograph of William's to be wife like that he that he dropped or that um that his friend dropped maybe of his sister what like the photograph? fact that the photograph that um that Dolores's father found that caused him to glitch out got it that, that was like dropped by those guys there were just these details that I totally didn't remember and watching it so yeah I was I was struck by how the show kind of like fled my mind um in some ways or a lot of the details did but I agree with you that rewatching the first episode it's striking both because the first episode of the show of season one sets the tone and like plants the seeds for everything that happens in that season. There's all of this really heavy-handed almost um, foreshadowing regarding what's going to happen, mm-hmm. making you realize, oh, okay, so if I had watched this knowing what was going to happen, it would have been a very different experience. I wonder if this episode will look that way too. I'm assuming it probably it will. It definitely will because they're playing with all these storytelling tricks and timelines and stuff yeah, we'll get I, into shortly. But one more, yeah, one I more guess thought. So. I had is that the thing that I really don't like about Westworld is that it feels like a show where you have to watch it multiple times in order to actually understand what's going on. And I really like shows that are subtle and leave clues for you to find and have these hidden connections to between episodes. And I think The Sopranos is really good at that. And The Leftovers to stay with HBO is also really good at that. But I think the biggest difference between those shows and Westworld is that those shows have coherent storylines that are not hard to follow 
follow. Whereas Westworld requires you to follow all these breadcrumbs in order to even understand what's happening in the first place. So I agree. I think that the 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 primary difference on a like maybe a, I, I agree with that take in general. And the primary difference I think is partly in the characters. Where on The Sopranos, you get to know the characters over time, and you get to understand their motivations better, but they make sense as characters from pretty early on, and then you just get to understand these greater depths of them as time goes on. With Westworld, a lot of the times, you don't understand someone's motivations at all because you don't understand them as a character, because sometimes you don't know like these fundamental questions about whether they're human or not, or at the very least, you're kept in the dark as to their motivations or who they're really working for. Mm-hmm. So there's just a lot more mystery played with characters. You're you don't even know who they are. Motivation. You don't know if you're looking at Bernard or Arnold. Exactly. And so it's a lot harder to sort of relate. And so it comes back down to the actors a lot, which, you know, the actor who plays Bernard and Arnold is, he's really good. Jeffrey Wright is fun to watch on screen. So that works, but it's not the same as, you know, you get to know Tony in this way, Tony Soprano yeah. or whoever. Yeah. And to so, that yeah, point, I do think there that's also kind of a difference. no stakes because you see someone die and if they're a host and it doesn't even matter. So that's another thing. Yeah. The stakes like, are very moment to moment. I know we're not even really getting into the recap yet, but there are definitely like the only stakes are like, like there's like a horrifying scene in this um, episode where this woman is pleading for her life as these as these kind of bandits shoot, you know, at a thing on her head. And then we see that she gets killed. And you kind of realize in that moment, wow, these people are just all getting murdered. And like this, there's kind of stakes on that five second scene for this lady I don't even know. But in terms of like actually the stakes for like the narrative and the show and the characters, it's kind of like, I don't know, whatever. This is all just a big, you know, elaborate contraption that will eventually be deciphered over the course of the next few episodes. And none of this really you know matters well exactly yeah and Dolores is never going to be in danger Bernard at one point shot himself in the last season and it didn't even matter because he just came back well it does matter because he's suffering some ill effects from that but right he he did kind of come back in the next episode okay so let's get into it Um, let's go a little bit like kind of bit by bit so for starters we get a new credit sequence what do you think of the new credit sequence Jason look doesn't look like anything to me (laughs) <laughs> I thought it was cool. So it's yeah, got a it's buffalo, cool. which is nice. And there's a lot of water imagery, which I, I'm gathering the water is, uh, based on this premiere, very important. So we've got, you know, a woman with a baby, which could be going the way of can robots procreate? Is this actually a Battlestar Galactica prequel? Um, and, uh, you know, it's kind of neat. The hat underwater becoming an eclipse, all of that. So we did get a new credit sequence, which is also just notable because these shows don't always get a new credit sequence. Um, you kind of get the Game of Thrones approach where they sometimes add new locations, but it's the same sequence. And a lot of shows it's just the same so i guess that means that each season we're going to get a new credit <laughs> sequence for this show that will kind of tell us something i wonder if the season one credits really told us anything about season one though i don't think they really did so no. maybe maybe the, maybe this is a new thing for them so we kind of the show is structured now between what looks like i guess technically three timelines right so we've got the present day timeline, is, as we'll call it, I guess, today is Bernard, and he's rolling with Stubbs, and what's the other guy's name? Strand, who are the mm-hmm. sort of commando force. Well, Stubbs, who we thought maybe was dead last season. Um, played yeah, by, so um, he was like, that was a cliffhanger where they just left him surrounded by natives. Was it a cliffhanger? It was like one of those weird off screen things where you just. It wasn't exactly played up like a cliffhanger. It was just sort of a thing that happened, similar to what's her name getting killed in season one. I, it wasn't, to me anyways, I was never really clear, like, what? Yeah. And then they just kind of left it. And okay, I guess he's alive. Like, all Sounds right, like, like Luke Hemsworth. And, yeah, so uh, Subs is with this guy Strand and these kind of commando unit that have come in from from uh, from the somewhere else, from uh, away from the island. Delos. 
Yeah, they're Delos commandos, and they're there to kind of take the island back. This is taking place, I guess, 11 days or around two weeks after the big party and the big massacre that happened at the end of season one. So that's one timeline. Another timeline concerns the immediate aftermath of the party and the massacre. The main timeline. Yeah, this is the main timeline, the main timeline of the episode. And we're kind of flashing between Bernard, who, as we learned from Dolores in season one, can kind of experience his memories almost like they're real. So there's this kind of, you know, it does actually that cool. I liked the effect of the black flashes and the music and the sound as it would kind of bounce between his memories and not his memories. That was Uh kind of cool. So we've got four groups there. There's sort of Maeve, Hector, and Lee Sizemore. There's Bernard and Charlotte Hale. There's William, the man in black, out on his own. And there's Dolores and Teddy and the hosts. So those Charlotte, are kind of the, by the way, Tessa Thompson, I think, is really saving this show for me. Like, she's if great. Anything, yeah. Is, yeah. Is she's keeping very me to, watching. It's her. Fun to watch on screen. She is good. So those are kind of our main things. And then there's this last thing, which is maybe where we'll start, is this conversation between Bernard and Dolores that's sort of apparently happening at a different point in time, and it's not totally clear where. It does, I do think this is Bernard and not Arnold, I I think. It's never totally clear, but that was the sense that I get. And they have this kind of very dreamlike, weird conversation where he tells her his dream of being in an ocean and she she asks what's real and he says that which is irreplaceable and she says that's not completely honest. And, and then so we, we see have these... no idea when that is, correct? Right. I don't right. I'm my guess is that that's Bernard though and not a conversation that she had with Arnold, but okay. I don't know. But this could be way in the past, this could be way in the future, right. we just don't know. Right. It seems okay. at least and well, yeah, it's just really hard to say. And then we get this kind of weird flash forward that I didn't rewatch, but it shows like Bernard shooting one of those guns that the guards have. It kind of shows some stuff happening that we right. haven't seen yet. Right. And then it kind of leaves that behind for the rest of the episode. So that's kind of the thing that I think is going to be used for whatever. It's like the the keystone for whatever reveal we're going to have about what's really happening at some point. Can't but, wait. Um, Can't wait. Yeah, for I mean, yeah, you, to figure you, it out in two weeks. <laughs> so. Yeah, man. Do you feel, I feel this way, a really lessened need to understand what's really happening, especially in that scene. I was like, all right, whatever. I'm going to take some notes on what they say, but it's not like, I'm sure this will just be explained. I just feel like it's prioritizing mystery over interesting storytelling. And Mm -hmm. as a result, the reader just, or the watcher just winds up feeling confused um because there's just no there's nothing to grab onto anymore there are no like really coherent plot lines or you could be like oh yeah and the well, best character- i don't totally agree with that so i don't agree i think that the mave storyline is the strongest one it's the one i'm most interested in because it has a clear objective mave is the character i like the best as a sort of awakened host um i like the i like tandy newton's performance i like you know, watching her kind of humiliate Lee and meet yeah. back up with he- I like her and Hector. They're like, cool. I like that Hector was still alive. I'm guessing Armistice, Hector's, you know, partner is going to be back. Mm-hmm. So I do like that story. And I think that one has the clearest objective. And that makes it make sense as a story. The idea of them going into this sort of uncharted or unbefore seen part of the park to find Maeve's daughter and she'll have a reunion and whatever will happen there and kind of going up against whoever, like maybe hosts, maybe, you know, they, she can kind of control the hosts. There was even some interesting scenes where sort of Lee is trying to tell the, the humans to shoot her, but then she shoots the humans. And then I like, I like all of that. I think that's like an interesting storyline sure. that I'm into, you know, that I want to see what happens. Fair enough. What did you think of, what did you think of her and, and all that? Yeah, I like it. I like that she dehumanizes Lee and is like stripped down, just like yeah. they make the ho- the host stripped down, which I think mm-hmm. is a cool, a cool moment. Um, and I, did you like, I liked when she said the thing to Lee 
and he's like, I wrote that line. And she says, yeah, it's honestly, it's a little bit broad. Yeah. <laughs> that <laughs> that kind of cracked good. me up. That's very um, meta. That whole thing was very meta, that whole scene. Although I feel like the writing in Westworld itself is just so ham-fisted and heavy-handed yeah. that it's, it's, it's a little bit like, uh, really, that's you're getting there but i mean um, it's i don't know it's fair that they can kind of poke fun at themselves for being a little bit ridiculous I sure that's, sure that's sort of no fun. yeah totally um yeah i think lee is an interesting character because he's the only one who appears to have a sense of humor <laughs> well he's such a prick in season one and then kind of vanishes or at least is like not really such a player in the second half he's kind of a weird character in season one mm-hmm. and i hope they do more with him because that actor is good at playing the sort of glorious asshole and I hope they do something with him where he, you know, he went from this kind of hedonistic seeing the hosts just as vessels to him maybe learning a thing or two or having a character arc where he kind of grows, yeah. um, which should be cool. And I just like Maeve. I like the way she, she plays that and her role as the sort of all-powerful badass who still is probably getting her strings pulled by someone. But, you know, it's, it's fun to watch her do her thing. Yeah, well, um, so wasn't, the implica- like, wasn't it implied at the end of last season that Ford had planned her escaping that? The it was implied that planned. somebody had, and it was sort of like it could have been Arnold, it could have been Ford, and it wasn't entirely clear. That's my read on it. But I thought yes. it was clearly Ford because Ford was finishing what Arnold could never do, and he was planning. Well, this yeah, whole that's thing. The, that's a safe assumption, but it's still not totally. But you so know, like, that it wasn't a hundred percent nailed down. That so that for me, that's something that like kind of diminishes the impact of the Maeve story is that well, we don't know who's in control right. of her. It right actually now. diminishes a lot of this because. It felt like, to me, as though almost all of these narratives, and maybe let's pivot here to William, to the man in black, he too, it felt like he was also playing out one of Ford's narratives. So the man in black goes and he's, you know, has this kind of bracing gunfight with some guys that's got real stakes and he's clearly having a great time and meets his old horse and kind of cleans a bullet wound. And then he meets up with Ford's, you know, the Ford's child version robot. And the the robot says to him this typical Westworld Ridley shit of like, this, this, this game is made for you and your job is Ugh. to find the door, the way out. Ugh. And like, this ends where you begin and begins where you end. And he's like, oh, Jesus. And then he shoots the kid, which is sort of entertaining. But there's this idea there, too, that yet again, we're still playing one of Ford's narratives. So in the finale, there's a really great line that I actually don't know who, who, who if anyone really said this, but Ford says in the, in the uh, finale, he says, there's a, a saying about that Mozart and Beethoven didn't die. They simply became music, mm-hmm. which is, I think, a really just a beautiful, a beautiful idea and very true. And so this is kind of Ford becoming Westworld, right? Like Westworld kind of he lives in the code the same way that Arnold does. And his character and his personality is still driving what's happening, which is that's a cool idea. But it's frustrating with both with this storyline, with the Maeve storyline, with the Dolores storyline, with the idea that it's all just still canned. Like, it's there's still a destiny. There's It's still all been written. No matter how much freedom these characters may appear to have, they're still acting according to a script, which just removes the sense that these characters have agency in the story, right? And uh-huh. so you're kind of like, okay, well, I'm going to sit there and watch them all move around like a little wind-up toy, like a little, you know, they're going to move along their little tracks and they're going to go their places. But is there ever going to be a, a way that the show can tell me, as a viewer, We've upset that. Now you're watching the real shit. You're finally right. really watching it and make me believe it. Because right now I'm never going to believe it. I can't think of what would make me believe it because every scene I'm like, oh, this is probably just orchestrated by somebody or somebody else. And that removes, like you were talking about the stakes earlier. For me, that uh-huh. removes a lot of the stakes. Yeah, it makes this the show version would have but... to be, hey, this was actually them all along. And yeah, that's hard to right. do. How do you do that? How do you right. make your revelation that actually the characters were in control of themselves? Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. Um, I, I, you 
you would say, like, one argument would be that if you have Ford set up as this evil genius and then the characters take control by, like, killing him, but that already happened and that was part of his plan. So there's no way right. to... Yeah, right. No way uh, to do Which that. was a cool subversion. I mean, I really... So I should say, like, I really, man, watching the finale of season one, I really liked the overarching story. I, I feel like it's become, like, the critical thing or like consensus is sort of that that show wasn't didn't tell a good story and that season one like people didn't really like it and I get some of the criticisms but I really do like the story of how these two people created this thing one of them realized really early on that it was horrible what they were creating and like tried to sabotage it and had a Uh robot kill him and lived on sort of in this way to keep trying to sabotage it the other guy like defeated him opened the park and then realized over the course of time that he was wrong like I really like all that and I loved how they handled Dolores waking up right like I think that scene where she finally realizes who she's been talking to this whole time and like self-actualizes is an awesome scene and is something that at least for me as a viewer and this might be tied to my experience but I really understood what was going on in a way that surprised me in that Mm -hmm. finale and I remember being like wow okay so there's three timelines and she was seeing you know a flashback to her earlier and I really just got it and I was like it's gonna be her she's waiting to hear herself and then that happened and I thought that was really great so pivoting to Dolores now, I gotta say I like Evan Rachel Wood. I don't like I didn't like her in this episode as much playing a sort of just hard boiled, awakened robot who wants to kill all the humans, as much as I liked the way that she played the sort of ambiguity of knowing and yet not knowing who she was in season one. I Yeah, wasn't it's really frustrating it. because you don't know if it's still Dolores or if she's in Wyatt mode and that's her new character. Well, and her and thing was like, I'm part Dolores, part Wyatt, but really I'm myself. And I'm like, okay, are you? <laughs> like, like I, right. Like, like what it, does that mean? Yeah. Right. And does that actually mean that you're acting on your own accord? And I'm going to take the show's word for it that she is. I'm going to believe them for now that she is actually like a free actor in this yeah it just doesn't make sense like so she achieves consciousness and then immediately decides to murder all of the people like that just doesn't why (laughs) why is that happening so that so i'm taking the show's word for it that if they had spent all of season one basically the whole point of the season was that she was supposed to self-actualize and be the first robot to attain consciousness okay fine if they undo that that kind of sucks because that was the whole point of season one Uh so let's say let's take their word for it Right. Then it raises the question of why does she want to go to the mainland and just kill all the humans? I mean, I get that. I mean, I guess fair enough <laughs> because of what humans have done to her for the last 30 years or whatever. Like, I guess it fair enough that she would be angry, but it does feel a little unsatisfying narratively that that's all she wants. And just watching her kind of give some monologues while Teddy just sort of looks confused. I don't know. Like, I just I wasn't really feeling that. I, it's fun to watch her ride on a horse and like shoot people and look like a badass. Like, that's it's it's fun to watch, but it didn't like yeah I, that and so whole does she line. not have any sort of like ethical guidelines when she right, achieves or, consciousness you would think that that becoming part of becoming human is just like establishing in in your head some sort of ethical uh, uh guidelines for yourself and maybe the be. show and is like, arguing that humans just don't have that and well and the, well, and the show kind of is that. right i mean that's based on the human's activities in westworld if she based her humanness on what she's seen people doing in westworld right, it would make then sense she just that she would get this hedonistic yeah, yeah this warped version of like a murderer that does track and if the show goes there and explores that that's interesting like i think that's like definitely a valid way for them to go and they've built the sort of groundwork for it i'm just a little not sure that's where they're going and just overall i don't know i was a little less into the scenes with her and teddy and just and their romance i don't 
really buy like Teddy just standing around looking confused and she's clearly like on this other level and he's just sort of lost um, well their I don't know. romance I... is another one of those things that has no stakes because we've seen it repeat itself over and over again without the characters remembering that they have a romance right and, and like, now we got this... yeah. presumably oh, like Dolores is the only person who's achieved this consciousness so it's not like Teddy remembers everything and has a sense that he's a... like it's not like Teddy is a person so right. if, <laughs> if anything think Dolores is almost being like a guest where she's right, taking like, advantage of Teddy. Right. Which that also could be interesting if they go that direction that Dolores is on this other level. I kind of doubt they'll go that because I think they need more robots to wake up sooner for this show to like keep for it to keep going right. in the so direction. So has Maeve solved in. the maze? Has she achieved consciousness? So you that's, don't know? I think no. I think my guess is no. I think that Maeve, since we learned that Maeve had been programmed to do all this and has been given all these, you know, abilities, like she's super smart and super, you know, able to read people and whatever. And she has been given the, the power by someone clearly to m- manipulate the robots. Like she can just use, like without even saying anything, she can just make them do her bidding. So I think that that's all she's still operating according to something to someone's mm-hmm. thing. However, it wasn't clear if she was supposed to stay behind or not. Uh-huh. So that, and that was like, you know, so there's a thing in the finale where they basically say, Oh yeah, you're part of this protocol and you're supposed to, get access and you're supposed to be able to escape and then you get to the train and then she cuts the person off. I think it's Felix saying that and she cuts him off. And so you don't hear whether she's supposed to get to the train and leave or she's supposed to get to the train and so you don't know whether she's currently acting according to a script yeah, or not. Yeah, I feel like the show needs to tell us that instead yes, of leaving agreed. that I think it would, I think it's mystery. a little... Yeah, I think it's a little frustrating. It would have been cooler if we thought if the script said she was supposed to leave and we knew she had kind of deviated. So yeah. she's following a script, but she's deviated. That would be yeah. interesting. So I don't know. Like like I said, I I do like that storyline, and I I'm I want to know where it goes. But I there's definitely stuff about it, and especially if it turns out that it was all part of someone's master plan, that'll kind of bum me out. Yeah, um, this show. I feel like this show really suffers from the mysteries, just having to force feed you all of these mysteries. Like there needs to be some. Like, you need to let the, the watchers in on some of this stuff um, at the beginning of your season. Otherwise, it just yeah. is confusing. Like, I left the, the... Most of the time I was watching the show, I was just confused. I was just like, all right, so he's doing this because this, or what, or what? Like, why is why is Dolores right. doing this? Why is this right. happening right now? And I just feel like, like, it's one thing if you are setting up mystery when it comes to plot and uh, setting and even characters' identities. But when it comes to characters' motives, that's when you lose the the reader or the listener it's or a, watcher. Yeah, it's a risky game to play. Messing it's with really motivation. risky because motive is the most important part of a story. Is like you need yeah. to know why the characters are making the choices that they're making. Otherwise, yes. you just have no investment whatsoever. And the there are very few motives that are clear in this story, which is is tough. It's tough to yeah, get Yeah, really, I mean, it still feels like the motivations and the motivations that define season one were the motivations of Arnold and Ford, which were the two most interesting motivations, especially Ford. I thought the motivations of a man who made a huge mistake and realized it yeah and is trying to undo it like that's cool and he was motivated to do but this we whole didn't find that thing. out until the finale okay but that's that's fine like i think as long as it it winds up like that wound up being interesting anyways yeah to me anyways. And, but, but i'm like, saying like like you could have like there was there was no reason to be attached to ford until then and similarly now if we're not going to find out the motivations of half these characters until later on oh, it'll be very frustrating I absolutely will say that, and I, and it's season two. I think you just you have all these characters who are established in season two. You kind of need to be doing the establishing the motivations of the other characters. They can't do yeah. that again and have it yet again be about the motivations of these two sort of godlike creator characters. That's I think not- that's why I 
left the show just feeling so frustrated and being like, I just don't know if I like that or not. Um, but the the one part that we haven't talked about is the Bernard and Charlotte yeah, story. Yeah, so that's the next thing to talk about. And that, I think, is the most about. interesting stuff. Agreed. that's when you want to sum it up? Uh, yeah, I mean, so yeah, I think, yeah, most interesting, at least like just narratively, because we might actually learn something. So Bernard and Charlotte go... They spend a little time avoiding marauding hosts. They avoid Angela, who we should mention. Angela, who greeted William back in the day, is now like fully in like wild-haired murder people on a horse mode, which is sort of fun. Um, so they uh, they they're with some other guests or board members who get murdered, and they wind up in this secret bunker that Charlotte knows about. And Bernard the whole time is trying to hide the fact that he's sort of malfunctioning after shooting himself in the head, presumably in the finale, has to give himself this kind of gnarly behind the ear injection. But what we learn is in this bunker that, you know, Bernard knows nothing about, they have off network hosts running that are these kind of faceless killbot looking, you know, <laughs> big creepy robots doing science on other hosts. And it and he realizes they've been harvesting DNA from guests. So it's not clear what that means. And they're also combine that with this new technology we learn about or this new aspect of the hosts, which is that the hosts have this sort of digit brain inside their, you know, what looks like a human brain. That's this kind of white sphere that you can pop out and put that onto an iPad. That is keeping track of everything they do. Right. And that records their, you know, records what they see and apparently is kind of their brain. Not really clear if it's actually so like operates So Delos is brain. basically Facebook and they're just watching everything and keeping track of all of our data. Well, and so I think this is going to play into, first of all, whether Charlotte is actually working on behalf of Delos because Charlotte's plan is to get to Peter Abernathy, who uh-huh. has Who, by the way, that... I didn't know was Dolores' father until I looked it up later. Like, that's the type of thing where they could have easily yeah. been like, so instead of saying the... <laughs> this random name, just saying like, oh, you know, Dolores his father like that would have been so easy to just make it easier for the watch at least show a picture of him or something i don't know i mean so i had rewatched the premiere and he's in the premiere quite a bit so i remember he's like very he factors right but they just expect this like level of like breadcrumb gathering from everyone to the point where they just you have to be watching with yeah i wonder if that was like I wonder if that was them expecting that or if that was just sort of like they didn't want to take the time and just sort of wrote it. And then, I don't know. I guess maybe. It's just bad storytelling. It really yeah, is. Yeah. I, it's too bad because also in the premiere, he gets that most incredible scene that I had remembered but hadn't really listened to in a while where he used to play. Do you remember this? He used to play before he was Dolores' father. He was a pastor or he was like a, no, he was a, a, a professor who led a group of cannibals during a horror storyline. And he loved to like quote authors and he loved to quote Shakespeare and there's this whole part where he quotes Shakespeare at them and then he's like I will destroy you and I will like destroy your world and your people and it's super crazy and intense and cool so he actually has got some cool stuff and then right he vanishes for the entire season and now suddenly they're referencing him again so um so I I wonder if Charlotte is actually working for Del- for Delos I wonder if um you know, like what's really going on there. If like, I I feel like through that, we can begin to learn what Westworld is really for, which has always been my biggest question with this whole thing is like, what year is it? And what is happening in the world? And like, why are they using this incredible technology they've developed to do this stupid shit? And of course they've, multiple times alluded to characters have said oh it's not just about this it's about right exactly yeah that's when it starts getting really interesting in terms of lore you're right and it could be so it could be like they're they want to take people's consciousness and like put them in robots they live forever and basically this is a prequel to altered carbon instead of a prequel to battlestar galactica it's all a matter (laughs) of which sci-fi series this is a prequel to but um but uh, yeah so it's it's not clear what they're doing but i do think that's interesting and i think charlotte like what she's doing i'm i want to know 
I know I want to know what she's doing for sure. So you think that she might not actually be working for Delos and she's like, I don't maybe. know. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. I, I think there's, yeah. Since we don't really know, like obviously she's like the executive whatever of the board of directors, but I just feel like there could be more going on with what she's doing than, Interesting. than we think. But I don't know. Maybe maybe she's just like the bad guy who like wants to further Delos's plan. Yeah. Um, well, so I would totally watch just Bernard, like Jeffrey Wright and Tessa Thompson just yeah. for the rest of the, like I wish the show was just about the two of them. I would yeah. watch that show because um, they're just like on a whole new level just in terms of acting and performing and uh, yeah her, she's all, and she's been characters. fun since she first turned up um you know in season one like she's just she's a good actor and fun to yes. watch so i agree so i guess that's pretty much it there are some things we've learned so we learned that westworld is an island um yeah we it, we learned that it looked like maybe, maybe it's the same possibly, island as lost maybe yeah i know it's like great another mystery show on an island um but we uh we learned that there it looked like chinese military that we're not totally sure who are kind of being told by delos commandos you know well your government gave us jurisdiction over this island so this is our thing so you guys have to go so that kind of was an interesting little tie to the outside world uh-huh. um much more substantial than anything we've gotten before indicating that at least you know there is a world outside of westworld and it's not all so VR. is it we're safe to say moon. by the way that the delos hq that we saw saw throughout season one is on the same island yeah i think that's i think that would be pretty weird so they're not taking a train from like i don't know thailand right no i don't think so i think that they're there and so we also learned that there are multiple well we learned there are multiple zones within each park and there are multiple parks which we already kind of knew from like the samurai stuff in season one yeah but then in this one we see this bengal tiger who's washed up and they sort of say oh it's like something's wandering in from park six i believe is what Mm -hmm. they say and that that normally things don't cross park borders so it's not clear what that means that's a little another little lost i feel like seeing a tiger is so lost because it's like the polar bear like it felt very of course very very lost like um but i'm guessing we'll find out what that's about and it seems like they're they're on board this season to give us more of a concrete sense of the scope of you know westworld samurai world whatever india world or something like whatever other worlds there might be yeah that would involve those things so that's cool i'm like you know interested in that we learned about the little brains we learned about the mesh network that connects the hosts so when the hosts are near other hosts they're kind of communicating on a subconscious level Mm -hmm. that was new information that struck me as something that will absolutely and it's worth noting that bernard is still hiding that he's a host especially from charlotte which is right and from the security guys in the in the present timeline yes so from everybody so this is going to be that's going to be a very important plot point and it seems like he's going to be he's kind of taking over as Del- from Dolores as the kind of unreliable main narrator character of season mm. two like he's going to be the one seeing multiple timelines at once and sort of flashing around and figuring out what his deal is and that's fine because I, I like Jeffrey Wright so I don't know about the mesh thing but that does seem like something that's going to be important later mm-hmm. and so then the and then with our final scene is this kind of in the present day uh, Stubbs and their crew uh, come upon all of these dead hosts in a sea that they didn't know was there and Bernard says uh, I killed them all of them and, mm-hmm. which, and we course, see a shot that may or may not be Teddy drowned yeah it seems like people are un- I'm also I looked at a still of that I'm not sure whether that's poor dead teddy again in the water but you so, know, so if that-, that so okay that's an and that's the main thing that made me say like that nobody this this stuff doesn't have stakes because it doesn't matter that hosts are dead like it doesn't matter that teddy's dead he's died a billion times they can all just be like brought back to life yeah, if this I is mean, a scene where it, like bernard it turned out at the end of season two's premiere that bernard had killed all these important characters and they were real people then that would change the story so much and that would make it so much more interesting but the idea of a bunch of dead hosts is just so boring because any of them can come back to life. 
I guess. I don't totally agree that it's so boring. I think so, For you know, for starters, like, death isn't the only way to have something have consequence. Like, there are ways they can, like, the fact that a host can die and come right back doesn't necessarily mean that there are no stakes for the character. Actually, Bernard's a good example of that. I feel like watching Bernard's character growth has been engaging sure. and interesting because we're watching him discover who he is. But I'm and saying there the, the, death themsel- the death itself doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't matter. No, it doesn't have the same death. impact as it would be if it were, like, cast members permanently right. killed. Right, so but my point does... is just that these guys are all dead and Bernard's like, I killed them and none of it matters because they're all robots that can well it matters it doesn't matter in that traditional narrative sense it matters in in the sense of like okay here's the major puzzle we're gonna solve which i agree is less of a way for it to matter like that's it wasn't a oh my gosh major change all these people are dead it was a oh okay here's the end point of that thing that was foreshadowed in the earlier conversation at the beginning of the episode now we're gonna have to figure out what that means i mean even him saying they're dead i killed them all of them that could mean so many things that could mean sure you know like that's such a vague statement and for him to say that Very to the other world. humans could mean he's admitting that he that he you know whatever it could mean a lot of things like that they're sure. gonna realize he's a robot or they're not and you know so we'll have to see it wasn't yeah it was just a kind of a little stinger it didn't it didn't really blow me away or anything like that but sure we'll have to see yeah so that's it that's the, uh, the more i talk about it and think about it the more disappointed i was by that episode and the more bummed out i am about this season i will watch it of course we're not going to do daily re- or weekly recaps but we no. are going to do what are we going to do a finale recap is that the plan uh Once i guess over? yeah yeah we'll see how it goes we'll come yeah back we'll see how finale. it goes i'm sure we'll and talk about it during the regular weekly show um but yeah i mean i just like i don't know i don't i remember watching the first episode of westworld season one and being thrilled i mean like this is awesome this show is so cool like i love this idea of like this video game that people are playing and going on quests and inhabiting this western and the there's so many cool plot threads to see and after watching this episode i'm just like what what is even going on like am i gonna have to just wait until the end of the season before I actually get any sort of narrative satisfaction out of this. Yeah. And that to me is a bummer. The idea that uh, I'm just watching all of these vague uh, lines and mysteries happen, get set up, and I just, like, I have faith that they'll actually answer everything, because it's not like Lost, where they're just making it up as they go along, but also, like, I don't care enough to be like, oh yeah, I'm so invested. Like, there, there's very little to grab onto, at least for me. And that's that's pretty sad. Like I thought season one was way better, at least from what I've seen so far. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm so I'm not, I don't share that feeling exactly. Like I, I have a good time watching this show assemble itself, but that's not the main appeal. And I'm into enough of the storylines to see what happens. I appreciate the way that it's focused, that they've kind of refocused it down to sort of four core storylines uh, along with, you know, the present day storyline. I think that's probably smart since the premiere or the first season felt a lot more like kind of going back and forth between this like workplace drama and then like this Wild West thing and then mm-hmm. this flashback thing. And there were all these, you know, all these storylines that was cool, but really complicated. This seems like it's going to be simpler and more straightforward, which is fine with me. And I like a lot of the cast, so I'm fine watching them. But yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's, yeah, I'm not super invested in the secrets and, you know, figuring out uh, what's going on. And I feel like this season didn't actually play that game nearly as much as the premiere did of season one. So I would imagine there's just going to be less of that overall, which is Mm -hmm. fine with me. But anyway... Um, My final thought is that uh, anyone who 
is listening to this should go watch The Leftovers because that's uh, the perfect example <laughs> of how to do a show that is like full of interesting mysteries and clues and stuff, but also extremely gratifying very, and yeah, fascinating. Very different shows. It, that's, that's our closing thought is go watch The Leftovers yes. instead of Westworld. Also watch Westworld. Jason, it's been fun talking about the premiere of Westworld. Yeah, so we'll we will be back. be back for a normal episode on yes. Thursday. Be back to always. talk about video games later this week. All right, until cool. then, see you later. See you, Kirk. Kotaku Split Screen is an official podcast of Kotaku.com. It's produced by Jason Schreier and me, Kirk Hamilton. I edit and mix the podcast and also wrote and performed our theme song and other music. We're part of the Fusion Podcast Network, where Mandana Mofidi is executive producer of audio. You can find us on popular podcast services like Panoply, NPR Now, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts, and we hope that you'll leave us a review if you like what you hear. Find old episodes at kotaku.com slash splitscreen. Email us at splitscreen at kotaku.com. Splitscreen.